If you were to face the two judgments today, what do you think the outcome would be? And knowing that one day you will be judged, what changes might you need to make in your life today? Well, let's learn more about the end of time on today's episode as we continue our series called The End. Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. And as always, praying that God gives you a reason and purpose of why you are listening today. And we believe he has placed you where you need to be today. Hey, uh, again, thank you uh, for uh, participating today. Thanks for tuning in, uh, downloading this new episode. Uh, We're kind of excited about this series. Um, Not everybody always talks about the end times, and um, sometimes it's scary. Uh, Sometimes it's weird. Sometimes it's creepy, and and we know that. Um, So we're not always like that, but just know that um, it needs to be talked about. It's in Scripture. It it really is, and and I encourage you to dive into uh, the book of Revelation, as as well as many other uh, New Testament books. books, uh, because it, it refers back and forth to each other. So uh, we are in our second week of our series called The End, uh, and so uh, we're, we're, what we're doing is we're talking about what's going to happen in the end times. Uh, last week, we looked at First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, and we saw the return of Christ. We saw the resurrection of the dead. We saw the reunion of Christians with God in heaven. Uh, and next week, we're going to do an overview of the book of Revelation. I'm basically going to just kind of pick some snapshots out of this book, because we can't cover it all. Um, it's just too much to cover it all. Uh, but I believe um, these snapshots will help you give you uh, a biblical understanding of what will happen in the end times. Uh, but today's episode, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about your end times okay, and my end times, because whether or not Jesus returns in your lifetime, the end of your life will come on earth, right? We're all going to die at some point, right? Some earlier, some later, right? And it depends on, we don't even know how, okay? And, and here's the fact, though. You will have to face one of two judgments. That's what's written in Scripture. And so I want to talk about those two judgments today. And also, we want to answer the question, what will heaven be like? All right? So let's build a foundation for our, our study today. We are we're going to be in the last chapter of the book of Revelation. We're going to look at Revelation 22, uh, chapter 22. Specifically, we're going to start in verse 12. Uh, and then we're going to kind of actually kind of backtrack a little bit uh, over the next couple of chapters. So we're going to be back in a 21 and then chapter 20 later on. So just kind of uh, be there. So we're in Revelation chapter 22. Um, here's verses 12 and 13. Let's look at what Jesus said. Look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus said, look, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me. I will give to according to everyone to, according to what he has done, right? Now, 
if you're new to Christianity, let me let me be very, 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 very clear, okay? I can't stick enough very clears in there, okay? <laughs> we are not qualified by heaven by how good we are. Okay, we got to get that. We got to get make sure we get un, understand that the truth is that we are all sinners, and the only way we were made right with God is by faith in Jesus Christ. So I don't want you to uh, misinterpret what I'm going to share with you today as that good works get you to heaven. Okay, that's not what we're talking about today. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll share. We're made right with God by grace through faith. Okay, we are forgiven by Jesus uh, for His death on the cross. Okay. But those of you who are Christians, it's very important to know this. Although your works do not qualify you for heaven, the way you live does determine how you will be rewarded in heaven. That's what that, that, that piece of scripture says, okay? So let me say that again. For those of you that are Christians, the way you live on earth will determine how you are rewarded in heaven. For example, okay, uh, a preacher and a taxi cab driver died. Same day, went to heaven, same day. Same time. St. Peter met them at the pearly gates and said, welcome, pastor, and welcome, Mr. Taxicab Driver, okay? We've been expecting you. We're, we're glad you're here. Uh, and St. Peter said to the pastor, he said, hey, over here for you, um, we have a lovely three-bedroom, two-bath house. I think you're going you're gonna to love this. It has a nice fenced-in backyard, grass as green as can be. You pretty much don't have to take care of it. You can spend a lot of time doing what you want to do. It's all prepared for you. The pastor was like, oh, this is, this is great. This is fantastic. And then the St. Peter went to the taxi cab driver, and he said, okay, on this side for you, we have a seven-bedroom mansion with a lovely swimming pool that overlooks the seventh hole at the Heavenly Greens golf course. And we prepared it just for you. And of course, the taxi cab driver is, is, is ecstatic, right? Just, oh my goodness, you didn't, this is fantastic. This is awesome. And the pastor's looking at this going, Whoa, wait, wait, no, what? No, wait a minute. You know, I, I'm definitely glad to be here and, and everything, but you know, I did serve Jesus faithfully as a pastor all of those years on earth, right? You, you do remember that, right? And St. Peter replied, well, well, yes, pastor, we, we do, we know that, but, but you need to know something, that we judge you based on the results you got on earth. And pastor, let me just be real with you. Whenever you preached, people slept, right? And whenever the taxi cab driver drove, People prayed a lot, and so we want to welcome you to heaven to what you have prepared you for, okay? <laughs> now, that's not exactly the way it's going to happen. St. Peter may not be there welcoming you, but the way you live on earth will, deter will determine how you are rewarded in heaven, and I want, I want to know what will the judgment be like for me and, and, and for you, okay? So, when I was a kid, they told me there was this there was this going to be this big screen in heaven and and God would show this movie of your life, right? And we just look at it and watch it and then then he would judge you, right? And and I'm like, "Man, I just I don't want to do that cuz that that's just going to send send me straight to hell. I don't want to go through that. That would be absolutely horrible." And so there's got to be a better way. And so we asked the question, "What will the judgment be like?" Right? We're going to look today at two different judgments. Well, the first one is this. It's the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. Well, what is this and when will it take place? Well, let's start when will it take place. A lot of Bible scholars believe it'll take place right after the return of Jesus and the resurrection of the Christian dead. 
And the reason they believe this is according to a little verse in a story that Jesus was telling in Luke chapter 14, specifically verse 14. Here's what he said. He said, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous, right? At the resurrection of the righteous. So if you're throwing a dinner party, don't just invite your family and your friends and rich people because they can pay you back by inviting you to their parties. Instead, Jesus said, invite the poor and the lame and the cripple because they cannot pay you back and you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Okay. Last week we studied the righteous, right? Those who are in Christ and are raised from the dead. They'll be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to that episode before you go further to understand what the righteous means, I suggest you do that. You don't have to, but I suggest you might want to do that, okay? So we're gonna, where do we read about this judgment seat of Christ? Well, it actually comes, believe it or not, not in Revelation. It actually comes in 2 Corinthians 5.10. It says this, okay, ready? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each of you, so each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Okay, so now most scholars believe, and I agree, that the judgment seat of Christ is a judgment for Christians only. And at the judgment seat of Christ, you're not judged for salvation or or even damnation. You've already been saved, right? Right. That's why it's called where it's a resurrection already. So, but this is a judgment for rewarding you for all the good works done on earth. And, and so I want to share with you why people believe this. Are you ready for this? The Greek word translated as judgment seat is the word bima. Okay, it's spelled B-E-M-A. And the bima is not the seat where the judge sits to issue a verdict of guilty or innocent, but instead it was the throne where the judge would sit to issue awards after the Grecian games. If the runners would, would run a race, the judge would sit at the Bema seat and say, congratulations, here's the crown or the reef for first place. Here's the crown or reef for second place and third place or however many reward, uh, rewards they want to give it, however many um, uh, placements they want to give out, right? And this was where the judge would issue awards for those who would win the race or whatever place they would finish in. Now, how will you be rewarded? Well, we're not sure, okay? My theory is there might be dozens, hundreds, maybe even thousands of crowns or various other types of rewards. We don't, we don't know for sure. But according to Scripture, there are at least five different crowns, okay? And so let me share them with you, okay? There's the incorruptible crown. It's for those who run a faithful race, who are devoted to Christ and righteous living, okay? Uh, the crown of rejoicing is for those who share their faith. So if you invite your friend to a church, to church or, or you're just a light in your office or you're a witness to others, wherever it might be, okay, there's a crown for those who share their faith. Then there's a crown of righteousness for those who long for Christ's returning. This is, again, something we talked about last week. Okay, We talked about Maranatha. He's coming soon. And so if you look forward to his return, there is the crown of righteousness. Okay, There's also the crown of glory for faithful pastors. And all I can say is amen, 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 right? For all of you pastors out there, stay faithful, okay? Uh, the crown of life. If you've ever suffered on Christ's behalf, uh, for those who are martyred or for those who endured great hardship for Christ, there's actually a crown given to those who suffer for the glory of Christ. Uh, and nowadays, I can see that as if, if you are, um, uh, maybe lose a job or, or something, all because you what you believe in and your faith uh, maybe I, I believe that might fall under 
uh, the crown of life. So you endured great hardship for Christ, okay? Now, if you think, after hearing all this, that all I got all these crowns, I'm going to be rewarded, and I've got all this stuff, and I'm, when I'm go to heaven, Jesus is going to give me this crown or these multiple crowns, and I'm going to, then I'm just going to strut my stuff around heaven going, check out the size of my crown, look at your puny crown, I bet you wish yours wasn't, was as big as mine and all this stuff, and uh, I believe you will not do that. Uh, you also won't be pulling a wagon saying, hey, look at all of my crowns, you know, look at all that Jesus gave me, and you only got one. You pathetic little better be glad you're here Christian than you, right? But, okay, we're not going to be doing that. We won't do that at all. Because if you read in Revelation 4, when the 24 elders received their crown, do you know what they did with their crowns? They knelt down before Jesus, and they took their crowns, and they placed it at the feet of Jesus. Because if you can only imagine Jesus with nail-scarred hands and, and feet, the one who was crowned with thorns, putting a crown on your head. It would be the most humbling moment of your existence, right? When you realize, I don't deserve anything, and he deserves everything. And to be able to put the crown at his feet and worship the one who is due all of our worship and all of our honor and all of our praise reminds me as, as Christians how we live on earth determines how we'll, we will be rewarded in heaven. Okay, now let's take a step back, and I want to give you a suggested timeline of all these different events that we've been talking about, okay, before we go any further. Now, this is a suggested timeline, okay? This is not declaring this is to be 100% accurate because nobody knows for sure, like we talked about last week. Nobody knows the time, okay? So what are we going to do is we're going to take these different verses, and, and what I'm doing is just kind of building, guessing, a most accurate timeline as I can possibly do, and I want to show you this and share this with you, um, okay, so you know where we're kind of going with everything. So last week, we talked about the Christ will return, that the dead in Christ would, would rise, that Christians would be raptured, okay? Some people believe this takes place later. I believe in pre-trib. Uh, we'll find out. You know, there's that mid-trip, uh, post-trip, pan-trip, you know, those those things. We don't know for sure. I'm, you know, not saying those can't be it. I just believe in pre-trib, but we'll find out. Uh, believers may be rewarded very early in the process, according to what we just read earlier, Luke 14, 14, right? Then the seven-year tribulation will come. The second three and a half years of this will be far worse than the first three and a half. Uh, the Antichrist will rise during this time. Then there will be the battle of Armageddon, evil versus righteousness, and our God wins. It's already shown in the Bible when Satan is thrown into the bottomless pit where he is bound for a thousand years only to be released for a short period of time where God does away with him forever, okay? And during that thousand-year reign, the Christ, uh, Christ returns for 1,000-year reign known as the millennial reign. The first time he came back, he, he came back for us, his church, the second time he, come, he comes back with us, his church, to rule and reign for a thousand years on earth. Then comes the resurrection of the dead. Last week we looked at two resurrections, right? The first is a resurrection of those who are in Christ. The second is for non-Christians, and that's known as the resurrection of the dead, okay? Who will be judged at the great white throne judgment. And then God does what God has wanted, us, wanted to do, and he establishes the new heaven and new earth. Now, with all that said, people ask all the time, well, great, when all that happens, what will heaven be like? Won't we be bored in heaven? What are we going to do after this massive war and battle and all this evil is done away with, you know, and we don't have to do anything anymore? Are we just going to 
just dwell with God forever in paradise, or are we going to be doing things, or are we going to get bored? Uh, you know, are we going to just sit there and just watch fat, naked baby angels playing the harp on clouds for all eternity? You know, <laughs> right? What is heaven going to be like for all eternity? Well, John had a vision of this in Revelation 21, uh, verses 1 through 4. And I'll show you three specific descriptions of what heaven will be like. Okay, The first thing we're going to see is that God will establish a new heaven and a new earth. Okay, Look at what John says in Revelation 21, verse 1. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Okay, So God establishes and creates a brand new earth and a new heaven. And that's why many scholars believe, and, and I tend to agree, that whatever you enjoy on earth, you will enjoy on the new earth and the new heaven. The only difference, it won't be under the curse of sin. It'll be just like the Garden of Eden when, when Adam and, and Eve walked in the cool of the day with the Lord, uninterrupted fellowship with God in paradise before the serpent ruined everything with temptation followed by the curse. So whatever you love on earth, your favorite moment on earth, heaven will be indescribably better than your greatest moment on earth. Think about your favorite place, your, your favorite moment. You take your best moment on earth and realize this, that scripture says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what our God has prepared for those who love him. God will establish a new heaven and a new earth. The second thing of what heaven will be like uh, is this, you will never suffer again. Here's what scripture says, uh, the promise from God. It's Revelation 21, uh, starting with verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He goes on in verse five and he says, he who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. God will wipe every tear from your eyes. There will be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. For those of you who are hurt right now, you need to know in the new heaven and in the new earth, there will be no more pain, no more suffering, uh, if your body is racked with pain, never again. If you watch someone you love suffer physically, never ever again, right? If you have headaches, never again. No more cancer, no more diabetes, no more famine, no more sickness, no more starvation, no more wars, no more divorce, no more loneliness, no more depression, no more agony, no more pain. It's done away with again and again and again. The world has no curse, right? And, and you can walk with God. He will do away with all pain. God will establish a new heaven, a new earth. You will never, ever suffer again. And the third thing of what heaven will be like, uh, you will live with God forever. Okay, This is the way it's described in Scripture, Revelation 21.3. By the way, this is the 20th time this phrase is written in Revelation. And at this one, it's the final time this phrase is written in Revelation. It's Revelation 21.3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look. God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. This is the final declaration from the throne, as if God is saying, finally, it's done. It's restored. It's back to the way I created it. It's the way I wanted it. My children are with me, and I am with them. See, our finite minds cannot comprehend the glory of that promise. Because here's the reality. We can't even handle God in his, in his purest essence, okay? Do you realize that? Scripture says that we cannot look upon him in his purest essence and live. Our mortal bodies cannot handle the pure presence of God. 
But on that day, when we're raised to life, when we're in our immortal bodies, clothed in righteousness, we can walk in God and fellowship with God, just like in the Garden of Eden before temptation. And God is saying, that's the way I like it. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's the way I want it. Uh-huh. Anyway, <laughs> you're never going to hear that song again and listen to it the same, right? But that's the way he wanted it. Why? Because he doesn't just love us, but love is who he is. And he created us as the object of his love. And he is satisfied and he is fulfilled. And his plan is complete when we, his children, dwell with him. Those of you with kids, you, you know what it's like. Uh, you see, I have two of them, and each of my two kids have a spouse, uh, which I consider each one of them a, a kid, a child of mine, and each couple uh, has a, a child themselves, my grandchildren, and we are rarely all together, okay? And now I'm like, when we're, we get together, I'm like, hey, kids, come on, free dinner, I'm buying, come back, let's be all together, right? I want us all together, and, and when they're all together, those of you who are parents, and, and you know this, what do you feel? It's like they're here. The world is right. My whole flock is here together. And in a sense, that's what God is saying. Hey, my children are with me and there's no more pain and they, they dwell in paradise and this is the way I wanted it. And it starts out when you stand before the one who was crowned with thorns and he welcomes you with a crown of righteousness into the heaven that he prepared for you. And God is that good. And those of you who are Christians have that to look forward to. Now, here's the, here's the problem, though. Most people today believe that heaven is the default destination. And I need to tell you clearly, it's not. Hell is actually the default destination. Here's how it goes today. Well, you know, Uncle Joe just passed away. Uh, you know, kids and, and relatives, you know. You know, Uncle Joe, he, we know he wasn't much of a churchgoer, and we know he wasn't too religious, but man, Uncle Joe... He was just a good person, you know. We know he wasn't perfect, but he was a pretty, pretty good person, right? And well, except for that one time, but but we're not going to talk about that right now. But but you know, he tried hard, man. He would just give a shirt off the back to to anybody, and he, and he did some good things for so many people, and and he just would. He's so friendly and nice, and and so we're just so thankful now that Uncle Joe's in a better place. So glad he's in a better place now. And we tell ourselves that to make ourselves feel better. Anytime someone who he loved departs from this earth, we're, we're so thank, thankful that they're in a better place now because so many people believe that, that heaven is the default destination. But, but what you need to understand is hell is actually the default destination. And most people believe, hey, we're pretty good people. We're going to do the best we can. And so we're all going to go to heaven, right? Mm, I don't know. And I, I know this because Jesus actually said something to this that should be very sobering to all of us. I think you really need to hear this, and I'm probably going to step on some toes when I say this, but here, listen, when I read this to you, Matthew 7, 13 through 14, Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. The tragedy is so many people believe that heaven is the default destination when reality is there's a lot of people traveling on the broad path that leads to the true default destination, and that is hell. So we've talked about the first judgment, the judgment seat of Christ, where Christians go to be rewarded for their works on earth. Now, 
uh, keep this in mind. Remember, we're, we're rewarded for the works we do after we've been saved, okay? We, we can't go to heaven by the works we do. We go to by heaven by the faith we have in Jesus Christ that he died on the cross for us, okay? But how we live on earth determines how we're rewarded in heaven. That's what scripture says. So there is a second judgment as well. And so it is known as the great white throne judgment. We kind of mentioned that earlier. And Christians will not be there. This is how the great white throne judgment is described in scripture. John is exiled to the Isle of Patmos in Revelation 20, verse 11. And he had this vision. Are you ready? Starting with verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and in him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in those books. And here's the important part. Verse 15. Listen to what it says. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire, folks, is hell. If anyone's sins were not covered by Christ, if anyone had not called on the grace of God, if anyone was judged by their works alone and not by the perfect work of Jesus Christ, if their name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That is the default destination. Now, let's pause again for a second. Because I know that many of you are thinking right now, because you're, if you're not a church person, if you're not a Christian, uh, if you're just kind of the skeptical person and you just happen to walk onto this episode, you're, you're probably thinking the same thing I would think. And that is, hang on a minute. That's not fair. I don't like that part of the story because that's just not fair. That's not right. God sending people to hell. Isn't God supposed to be this, this loving God? Isn't God love himself? That's just not fair. That's not right. And that would be my first thought. Until I thought it through logically, okay? And let's talk about what's really not fair. Because those actions on behalf of God are absolutely and completely fair. I'm going to show you. Because how many of you have ever known somebody who hurt someone else severely and they were not held accountable for their actions? Have you ever known someone who did some, some horrible injustice to someone else and they got away with it and there was no consequences? Well, what happens We'll look on and say, that's not fair. Someone has to pay for that. And that's exactly what happens at the great white throne judgment. God takes all of the judgment, all of sin, all of history, and he says, at this moment, there will be payment for the sins that were not covered by Christ. And because you don't have his righteousness, and because you are guilty, here is the punishment for sin. And not only is that fair, but that's what we call in our world today, as justice. We all want justice, don't we? We do. We, we, we strive for it. So if you want to play the not fair game, that's where those of you who are Christians or those of you who maybe are about to make that decision today based on this, you should be really, really, really excited because that's what's not fair is, is the one who was crowned with thorns gives you a crown and you deserve the lake of fire just as I deserve the lake of fire. But the only reason that, that we are there is because Jesus took the punishment for our sins upon him. He was innocent. We are guilty. And that's not fair. 
It's not fair that I'm rewarded. It's not fair that I'm there. It's not fair that his grace covered my sins. It's not fair that his righteousness is inputted to me as righteousness. It's not fair that I'm robed in his righteousness and it covers my sins. It's not fair that he was innocent and suffered on behalf of me who was guilty. And that's why it's called the gospel, which means good news. So when Jesus tries to put a crown on my head, I'm falling at his feet. I don't know about you, and I'm going to put it back. And I'm begging to worship him for the next 10,000 years because my Savior is that good. God is just because we as Christians are not treated as our sins deserve. And so I thank God that in that case, he's not fair. And that's why I want to live a life on earth worthy of his reward in heaven. Amen. All right, that concludes another episode of Venture Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's talk. Uh, Next week, we're going to talk about God's wrath and judgment in Revelation. We hope you'll join us, and we'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast in Chandler Acres Ministries, or you'd like to become a patron, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.